Hey gang, happy Tuesday morning to you if you're watching this live right now. My name is Eric Sorensen. In case you haven't met me before, you haven't been a part of our devotional time. And uh, we are looking at the book of Job. We've been looking for the last number of weeks basically at Job's friends' responses to Job's suffering. And We've seen them try to explain to him their various theories about why he has had all this suffering come upon him. And, you know, it's because you've probably sinned. Job seems to be the, the big one. You know, it's because you did something wrong. It's because you surely must have deserved it. And so they've suggested solutions. You need to obey better. Uh, you need to believe more. You need to sin less. And in turn, we've listened to Job's responses over the last number of weeks, which is basically him pleading his innocence and begging over and over and over that God would come and explain himself to him, explain just what's going on. As Job says in chapter 13, he really says throughout, quote, I would speak to the Almighty and I desire to argue my case with God. That is Job's desire. Job wants to argue his case before God. Have you ever been there yourself? you ever felt like what you were going through just made no sense at all? And if you had a chance that you would take it up before the throne of God. It's an understandable sentiment, especially when there doesn't seem to be any sense to our suffering. And finally... Finally, after all of the futile attempts to understand why God allowed Job's suffering, God, to everyone's surprise here, shows up. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And though God does not deliver the answer to the why question, more about that next week in next week's devotion, he does share with Job exactly what he's been up to. So, with that said, by way of introduction, let's hear what Job, what the Lord has to say in chapter 38 of Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action or gird up your loins like a man. I will question you and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made it clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far you shall come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? 
Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare, if you know all this, Job. Where is the way to the dwelling of light, and where is the place of darkness? That you may take it to its territory, and that you may discern the paths to its home. You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed, where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has left a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt, to bring rain on a land where no man is, on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and desolate land, and to make the goods, the ground sprout with grass? Has the rain a father, or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth, and who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the chains of Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season, or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind, Job? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clouds stick fast together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion, Job, or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their thicket? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food? Well, here ends the reading of God's word to Job. This is just the beginning of the response he goes on in chapter 39 to declare even more about himself. But you can hear a lot going on in this passage. And so let's glean for ourselves in our, our brief time we have what God says he's been up to while Job has suffered. And first of all, I think it's very clear that he makes it abundantly clear that he is working above Job. He is working above the sufferer. God begins his work with, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, or gird up your loins. I will question you and make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? And then he goes on to detail what that all looks like, all of this work above and beyond what Job can understand. God is essentially reminding Job, the one who questions his wisdom in this situation, God's wisdom in this situation, quote, Job I mean, if I can paraphrase Job, I am the creator and you are creature. And unfortunately, we have a problem with this. We don't like that. <laughs> One of the chief evidences of our problem as human beings is that we are constantly seeking to reverse that order. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. God told them what the parameters were. They didn't believe him and seeking to be, quote, like God, they took matters into their own hands. God as sovereign creator tells us not to lie, but we take matters into our own hands and tell a lie. 
God tells us to be generous, but we take matters into our own hands and we hoard and are greedy. God tells us not to take revenge, but we distrust him as creator and take matters into our own hands, refusing to turn the other cheek. And the list could go on and on and on of ways that we try and function as creator rather than creature. As the writer Anne Lamott says, the difference between you and God is that God doesn't think he's you. (laughs) One of my favorite quotes, the difference between you and God is that God doesn't think he's you. And as a father, I've gotten just a feel of what this is like over my life of raising kids. I got three boys, 13, 12, and uh, now seven as of last week. And, you know, they really do think that they should be in charge too, especially when they're little. There's a sense in which they think that they've got it figured out. It's just our natural propensity, and, and we do that in our relationship with God. And so Job has not openly rebelled against God this way. I mean, he, but he has questioned God, and he has wanted God to explain himself to him. He wants an explanation. And in response, God sort of sets first things first, saying, Job, don't forget who you are, and don't forget who I am. I have more wisdom about the plan of this earth and your life than you can possibly even begin to fathom. You have no idea what I'm doing. Remember your place. I am the potter and you are the clay. I am working above you. So that's, first of all, very clear from the passage we read. You can see that God is sort of presenting this stage on which he's working that Job cannot possibly begin to fathom. But at the same time, God also shows that he's not just working above Job in the suffering, but he's working around Job in the suffering. Or to say it in fancy theological terms, God is not only transcendent, you know, high and lofty above everything, but, but he is imminent. He is close. Throughout this speech of God's, you will hear statements like the one that we read earlier. Who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far you shall come and no farther. I mean, you hear what God is saying, right? You hear what he's doing. God doesn't just wind up the planet like the deists said and then let it wind down. No, God is intimately involved in preserving every part of his creation still today. So when we ask God in the Lord's Prayer, for example, for our daily bread, we are literally saying to him, we believe that everything we need for a daily basis still comes from your hand, God, that it's still your work that underlies what we need. You are active in your creation. One of my favorite illustrations of this comes from the very wise and thoughtful writer G.K. Chesterton captures uh, God's God's sort of way of working in this this way throughout his creation. Uh, He says, quote, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, Uh, Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They are strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony himself. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult monotony, but perhaps God is. It is possible that God says every morning, 
do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Good gracious, I wish I could spin a line like that, man. Wow. So, why is God telling Job this in his suffering that's he, that he's involved? Well, he's saying, Job, I'm not only working above creation, but I'm working in it. There's not one leaf that grows in the spring, not one snowflake that falls to the ground in the winter, not one beam of light from the sun in the summer, and not one leaf that falls in autumn that I'm not involved with. So, that's what he's doing. But then, thirdly, and most importantly, as we kind of wrap up our time in Job 38, God shows that he's working for us. Now, to see that, we must look behind what he's doing above us and what he's doing around us, uh, because that's really the rest of the story. And the rest of the story... Throughout the scriptures, we know that God, in his work above us, is fulfilling an eternal plan. And that eternal plan involves his son. And so, in his work around us, it is not merely the sparrows and the lilies of the field that he is concerned about, but ultimately, you and I. And so we read in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Why did he do this? Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. How does God sending his son show his love for you? Well, God shows his love for you in that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What is the result of no condemnation from God for our sin? It means that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what does all this mean for the sufferer? It means that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. How can we say that? Because we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justifies, he also glorified. So then, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things, people? Who shall separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all those things, you are more than conquerors through him who loves you. For you are sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, your Lord. So then, you are confident in your struggles and sufferings that these words are ultimately true. Though your outer self is wasting away, 
Your inner self is being renewed by God day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As you look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What is God doing for the sufferer? He's working above him, true. He's working around him, but ultimately, never forget, he's working for him. Hope you have a great week, folks. God bless. We'll finish out Job next week. And then uh, if you have any suggestions for stuff that you'd like me to go over, I'm happy to consider it. Um, anyhow, hope you have a great rest of the week. God bless.